Al Jazeera podcast. On Wednesday, news of a plane crash in Russia captured global headlines. According to media reports, Evgeny Prigozhin, leader of the Wagner mercenary group, was on the passenger list. The TASS news agency, that is Russian state media, uh, saying that there's been a plane crash near Moscow and that Evgeny Prigozhin was on board. The Wagner Group is famous for helping Russia fight in Ukraine, as well as parts of Africa and the Middle East. And Prigozhin is famous for his relationship with Russian President Vladimir Putin. That all changed after a failed mutiny against Putin in June. On Wednesday, just hours before the crash, Prigozhin was seen in an undated video touting Wagner's achievements in Africa, where it's possible the video was shot. We are working. The temperature is 50 degrees centigrade, the way we like it. The Wagner Group is conducting reconnaissance and search operations making Russia greater on all continents. Here on The Take, we've been watching the Wagner Group closely, especially since some Wagner troops have made neighboring Belarus a new home. For more on that... Here's today's show. This is Verstok, a farming village in Poland, just a few kilometers from the border with Belarus. It's a peaceful postcard village with a wonderful wooden Orthodox church there. On the other side of the border, Belarus, under President Alexander Lukashenko, has become increasingly more aligned with Russia, Belarus is an important player in Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Now, fighters from the Wagner mercenary group have set up camp in Belarus. Here's Lukashenko at a press conference with Putin. Wagner is asking to go to the West. Well, let's go on an excursion to Warsaw and Zhishov. Tensions between Warsaw and Minsk, which is an ally of Russia, have been rising recently. And those tensions have left people in border villages living in uncertainty and fear. We do not know how to live. We don't know what's going to happen next month, next year, or even next week. Kamil and his wife live in Verstok. He says that there are soldiers and border guards everywhere. And now, those numbers are going up even more. Poland is bolstering troops along its eastern border after accusing Belarus of violating its airspace. But there is another threat the Polish government says it's responding to as well. The government has cracked down hard on people it says are illegally crossing the border. Polish politicians accuse Belarus of trying to destabilize the country by commercializing migrant crossings. So how have all of these tensions on the border been affecting locals? I'm Malika Bilal and this is The Take. My name is David Kravchik. I'm a writer, reporter, and I worked as a producer for Al Jazeera English. Where am I catching you right now, David? I'm in Warsaw, which is about 200 kilometers from the border with uh, Belarus and about a few kilometers away from the place where there was a huge military parade. Let's talk about that parade. Where were you when it was happening? I was right in front of the parade doing live coverage for Al Jazeera. We were watching tanks and uh, jets flying over Warsaw. 
There was a lot of enthusiasm among the crowd. And this is a yearly parade because it was a National Army Day. But the scale of that parade was definitely unprecedented. It was definitely the biggest in uh, modern Polish history. And I do believe that it's not a coincidence. There is a war happening in the neighboring country, in Ukraine. So the attitudes towards army, towards military, towards investments in military uh, has changed over the years. I take it that that enthusiasm that you're seeing and the unprecedented crowds also likely have something to do with what is happening along the border and how people feel about it. You've been covering tensions along Poland's border with Belarus for a while now. What does the border region look like these days? I do remember the border region before 2021, in 2021, and how does it look right now? Before 2021, it was a very touristic spot. Border region, where Poland-Belarus border is, is a place where you can find one of the oldest forests in Europe. It's primeval forest of Białowieża. And it all changed. In November 2021, the government introduced the state of emergency in that region due to the influx of migrants and refugees crossing the border. The EU has accused Belarusian leader Alexander Lukashenko of orchestrating wave upon wave of undocumented migrants and asylum seekers. They came from Syria, Afghanistan and Iraq mainly, and they used the services provided by Lukashenko regime. And they're offered a promise of getting to the EU, because Poland is the most eastern country with, uh, with the EU. But they weren't allowed to cross the border by Polish government. The border was sealed and uh, they wouldn't accept any asylum applications on the legal entrances to Poland. So the people that came to the border, they tried to enter through unguarded parts of the border. You could just, you know, like go through the forest from Belarus to Poland. So what you're describing, we covered it here on the take, and I remember the conditions that people were finding themselves in, stuck in this limbo at the border region between these two countries. That was in 2021. You went back to that region when the Polish Minister of Defense announced that he would be sending some 10,000 soldiers to the border. We have to be ready for any scenario. We do not exclude any. And that is why we decided to move the army closer to the border with Belarus, to strengthen the border, to scare away the aggressor. What does it look like now? How has, how has it changed? I think we have to start with the weather, actually, because in November 2021, it was extremely cold. It could get even like minus 15, up to minus 20 degrees overnight. And it translates to frostbite. It translates to hypothermia. And it translates to death of people that cross that border. Right now, when I asked a person that lives in that region and provides a humanitarian help, humanitarian aid to people crossing the border, he said that even though the weather is much better, it's like 25, 30 degrees right now, and it's middle of the summer in Poland, 
the people are much more severely injured that cross the border. They have broken legs, they have broken hips, they have broken arms as they fall from the top. They usually would use a makeshift DIY ladder that they would build from the woods, but you can use that ladder only on one side of the fence. And it's due to the fact that this border is now militarized. There is a border fence, border barrier or a wall. Basically, it's a 5.5 meter high fence with razor wire on the top with metal columns that looks quite impenetrable. But what we've learned, and this is also according to the official data provided by border guards, about 19,000 people tried to cross that border since the beginning of 2023. After the break, how locals near the border are being affected. Get your news in less than three minutes, three times per day with the Al Jazeera news updates. Just ask your home device to play the news by Al Jazeera or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. So, David, we're talking about a couple of things happening simultaneously on the border right now. There are Wagner mercenaries who set up camp nearby in Belarus after their rebellion in Russia in June, and Poland sees that as a threat. And then there's this crackdown by Polish authorities on what the government is calling illegal migration. The term the Polish government uses is hybrid warfare. It is a hybrid war. The situation has been further exacerbated by continued provocations and the use of hybrid warfare tactics by the Lukashenko regime. What does that mean? How do you explain these two perceived threats? I believe what the Polish government uh, means by that is that they are stressing that the influx of refugees and the pressure on the border is basically Lukashenko regime weaponizing people that dream of a better future. People from mainly Syria, Afghanistan and Iraq in Belarus, and they promise them better life in EU, and then they force them to cross the border. Poland is fearful of hybrid attacks, military incursions, and of illegal immigrants crossing over into its country. From the reports that we are getting from migrants and refugees crossing the border, they say that some of them, they don't have an option to go back to Minsk. They are forced by Belarusian military to cross the border. This is, in fact, again, something that both activist groups and the Polish government that probably wouldn't agree on much of what's happening, they do agree that Lukashenko is playing a role in this conflict. They are getting here through a state that is actively trying to destabilize EU and Poland. And military experts in Poland would say that's not a coincidence that Belarus is meddling with stability uh, of uh, Polish political landscape right now, and it's backed by the Kremlin. This is why it's so extremely divisive for Polish society, I would say, and also hard to grasp within the frame of international law. And what about the idea that Wagner mercenaries could also 
beyond that border region and pose a threat to Poland. I asked about the Wagner mercenaries, a soldier that is uh, stationing in that region, and he said he could only say that they have met people with military experience in the woods, but when we ask specifically about them being part of Wagner group, he wouldn't confirm that. So uh, it's more of a uh, rumor, but there is no instance of a single Wagner mercenary being uh, arrested or caught uh, on the Polish side so far. There's also one more factor, David says. Elections are coming up in Poland. On October 15, there are elections happening in Poland. And at the same time, the general elections will be held. There will be a referendum organized by the current government. In Poland, they plan to hold a referendum simultaneously with the parliamentary elections on October the 15th. And there are four questions in that referendum, but there are two questions that regards uh, the situation on the border deliberately. The first one is, are you in favor of stripping down the border fence? And the second one is, are you in favor of accepting illegal immigrants, the phrasing is illegal immigrants from Middle East and Africa, as European bureaucrats are forcing uh, Poland to do so? Uh, they would definitely would like to make the topic of migrants and refugees crossing the Polish-Belarus border and the topic of border fence and border security, uh, they would definitely like to put it on the uh, elections uh, agenda. So speaking of what the people actually want, I know that you've been speaking to Polish residents who live in this border area. They live and they work there. What do they tell you about how their lives and their livelihoods have been affected? Let me tell you about Sławek. Sławek is a man uh, in his 50s. He's been living there in the uh, town of Białowieża all, all his life. He loves his restaurant. He cooks very local food. And now, over the last couple of months, couple of years, the menu changed because he hired migrants and refugees that managed to stay in Poland and managed to go through the asylum application. So there are some additions to the menu and there is like a wonderful pilaf. There's a wonderful pilaf in that restaurant cooked by Azerbaijani chef. So when I talked with Swavek and I asked him, how is his business doing? He just looked at me and he showed me photos from two, three, four years ago, from the same day. And the restaurant on the photos was full. When I looked around, it wasn't even 20% full. So Swabek is fighting really hard not to go bankrupt. And just to put it in context is Swabek considers himself to be quite conservative. He's a local guy and uh, he, wants peace. That's what he says. He wants peace and he is definitely not a fan of all the announcement regarding the soldier buildup. But that's his perspective. When I spoke with people living in the border region, some of them are extremely loyal to the army. And they told me they feel safer that the government is doing something and that the presence of 10,000 soldiers is a deterrence for eventual attack from the Belarusian side. 
So definitely the people living in the border region are divided. They probably are in one of the hardest times for that region for a long time. Let me tell you about uh, Kamil. You heard from Kamil at the beginning of the episode. Uh, Kamil, he, he's a lawyer. He moved from the city to live in the village of Verstok, and he lives there with his dogs and his wife, who is a painter. And they just wanted to have the respite from the city there. And when we asked him how does he perceive the future, he said that he's not making plans anymore because everything was turned upside down. They used to come to the village to get some rest from the city and now they go to the city to rest because they got caught up in that unusual type of work that none of them was trained for. And this type of work is providing medical support and legal support sometimes to those migrants and refugees that are crossing the border. But despite the fatigue and not having the proper training for this type of work, David says that people like Kamil continue to help refugees and migrants in need. He started a campaign called the Green Light Campaign. In 2021, I started putting green lamps on the houses. It is a signal to refugees that the house is friendly and they can get humanitarian aid. And he wasn't the only one in the village that would put the green light on. And there were several of these lights in the dark giving refugees and migrants uh, a way to refuge. And they would like start living in a different town. People in the border region are aware that Poland is a transit country. So what actually made them feel threatened is a possible attack from Belarus. Some people that I talked to, they almost see the border fence from their windows. So they really, they're really, really physically, geographically close to the border. I want to talk about the pushbacks, because NGOs and aid workers accuse Polish border guards of pushing migrants and asylum seekers and refugees back over the border into Belarus. A group of 32 Afghan migrants stuck at the border since August were forced back into Belarus by Polish border guards. Do we know what's actually going on? What do NGOs and aid workers say? What have you seen? I haven't seen a pushback happening. I haven't witnessed it with my own eyes, so I wouldn't be able like, to testify on that. But definitely I spoke with reporters that were in touch through WhatsApp and different communicators with people that would share the location on the Polish side and the next day after they would share their location from the Belarusian side. So they must have been pushed back because there were no uh, sign of their attempt to file uh, for asylum. And Polish government uh, voted a law that technically and formally legalizes pushbacks. Turning now to Poland, politicians there have passed a controversial bill that allows border guards to immediately expel migrants who've crossed the border illegally, even if they are asylum seekers. And now the NGO activists, they even accuse the government that they build a fence in a way that would allow pushbacks. There are doors in that 187-kilometer-long fence over the border, 
and the border guards would say those are doors for wild animals so they can just live their wild animal life but the human rights activists they would call them pushback doors because every couple of kilometers you need to have some way to open and then close the border to perform pushbacks. Unfortunately, it's nothing new in the EU. It's been happening for years on the Mediterranean, different part of Europe, on the southern coast of EU, on the southern coast of Italy. But as we can see that like, pushbacks are accepted among political community of the EU. The, the word refugee is not evoking the same emotions that it used to. It's not evoking sympathy. It's not evoking uh, empathy or a willingness to help. So this is the world we live in. And Poland and the Poland-Belarus border is only one of the hot spots on the map of the ruins of international law around refugees and international relations. And that's The Take. For all the latest on Yevgeny Prigozhin and the Wagner Group, head to aljazeera.com. This episode was produced by Paranisa Campana and Chloe K. Lee, with Amy Walters, David Enders, Miranda Lynn, Ashish Malhotra, Khaled Sultan, Zaina Badr, Sonia Bagant, and me, Malika Bilal. Our sound designer is Alex Roldan. Tim St. Clair mixed this episode. Alexandra Locke is The Take's executive producer, and Ney Alvarez is Al Jazeera's head of audio. We'll be back.